the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And now, your special guest host for this edition of the Firing Line Radio Show from Sacramento, Senator Mike Morell. Welcome, this is State Senator Mike Morell filling in this week for my friend Philip Naiman. Welcome to the Firing Line Radio Show here on KTIE. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be asked to guest host the show for this week. I've been on uh, Firing Line before a few times in the past, and I'm excited to be with you this hour. So welcome, and whether you're in your car, out on the range, or just working around the house, thank you for turning in. Well, again, uh, my name's Mike Morrell. I represent the 23rd Senate District, which encompasses Ranch Cucamonga, um, San Bernardino, uh, Lake Arrowhead, Big Bear, um, Banning, Beaumont, Yucaipa, Redlands, Loma Linda, uh, cities like Hemet, Menifee, San Jacinto, and there's a few others in there, but it's approximately 1,800 square miles with a little over a million people, which I'm honored to represent here in California. Um, but California is uh, becoming a difficult place to govern. I think there's two competing ideologies. One would be progressivism, which is about the expansion of the bureaucratic state. And, of course, I believe in the free market economy and constitutional government, which limits government's power in our lives and ranks the citizen over the state. And we believe that government should work for us, not against us, and it's there to be our servant and not our master as it's uh, – uh, fast becoming folks. So anyway, again, welcome. And we've got a very good program. Uh, right now, we're going to have Sam Paredes on, who's the executive director of Gun Owners of California. Um, we're going to talk about the Second Amendment, of course, here in California, as well as nationally and some of the pending legislation. And in our second hour, we're going to have Brad Dacus, who's president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And he is a represents uh, many cases across the um, United States for people who want to limit government's power and get them out of their uh, get them out of our lives and believe that the government has really overstepped their reach into the uh, lives of citizens and our and our, our rights. So anyway, on the line, I've got uh, Sam, who is the gun owners of California. It's a statewide nonprofit organization dedicating to defending our Second Amendment. Sam has been with this group for over 36 years now, advocating on our behalf of law-abiding citizens and those law-abiding citizens who own guns. He's widely recognized as an expert on California gun laws, and he's an avid outdoorsman and enjoys uh, precision, tactical, and also cowboy action shooting, (coughs) hunting, fishing, golf, travel, and, of course, his love of his life, his wife, and his wonderful family. Sam, welcome here today to Firing Line. Thank you for being with us. 
Senator, it's always a pleasure to be with you and, and to talk with you. And, and, and uh, in return, I want to thank you for the service that you provide us. Those of us who believe in the Constitution, both the California and the federal Constitution, and for the work that you do to to uh, to, to fight the progressivism that is that is not even slowly but quickly uh, running into uh, take over the, the the government here in California. So thank you, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you fighting for our rights, too. And so tell us a little bit, um, before I start asking you some questions about what's going on here in California, a little bit about Gun Owners of California, so our listeners know about your organization. Super. Uh, Gun Owners of California is the oldest pro-gun political action committee in in the country. It was founded by somebody who who many of your listeners and even your constituents would be uh, familiar with, Senator H.L. Richardson, who served in the state legislature for 22 years and under uh, uh, one of the various uh, reapportionments that he was put under was they tried to make him ineffective. They gave him most of San Bernardino County, from Glendora all all, all of San Bernardino County and 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 Inyo County and and uh, he loved that area. Uh, but but back in 1974, uh, the first uh, gun bills were sponsored in California to to ban handguns, and he was a member of the board of directors of the National Rifle Association at the time, and he went to them and said, Hey guys, do you care if I start one of these newfangled political action committees. This was right after the Nixon-Watergate uh, debacle that, where the federal government and all of the state governments created um, uh, campaign financing and political action committee laws, but nobody had ever formed one before. So he did and uh, started us way back when, and we soon quickly became a, um, a kind of a powerhouse in the state of California. Uh, the National Rifle Association very quickly realized that when little old Senator Richardson can raise a million dollars and, and 300,000 contributors in, in less than one year uh, doing direct mail, uh, yes, you can blame us for the development and almost the invention of direct mail fundraising. <laughs> we, we were kind of the innovators back then, but uh, in, in return, uh, from 1974 to 1989, not a single anti-gun law was passed. Uh, by the state legislature. Well, he was certainly a forward-looking man, wasn't he? Because who would have thought um, growing up that our Second Amendment would be um, attacked like it is today? I'll, I'll tell you, it is concerning because not only should law-abiding citizens be able to protect and defend their their families, but also, you know, our founding fathers wanted us to be equipped in case if we ever had a tyrannical government. And I think they feared that more than criminals. And so here we are today, um, um, and I, I just see the onslaught of so many of these bad bills here in California. What are some of the ones that that are on your radar that really concern you, Sam? Well, there are there are about twenty four, twenty five gun bills, and we're tracking uh, twenty one of them. Uh, there are three bills that will, in essence, ban all semi-automatic rifles that we know now that we commonly own, and and. And yes, that common semi-automatic centerfire gun that you have in your gun safe uh, will become illegal or illegal to sell in the future uh, by June 1st of next year. No new guns like Browning BAR semi-automatics and 270 or 243 or 300 wind mag, Mini 14s, Ruger Mini 14s, uh, Caltech 223s, uh, certainly all of the ARs, all of the AKs. 
um, anything that's semi-automatic, M1 carbines, your, your, your dad's or granddad's World War II war relic, uh, M1 carbine will be uh, considered an assault weapon. No new guns will be able to be sold in California, and if you have one, you will either have to destroy it, turn it into the police, take it outside of California, or register it as a California assault weapon. And the problem with that is once you do that, when you die, it dies. You cannot transfer that to your kids or, or to anybody into the future. Um, and then you are limited as to where you can use them. So those are three egregious bills, AB 1663, AB 1664, and SB 880 are the three so-called assault weapons bills. And, that are and AB 1674 by Santiago where it caps yes. the number of firearms purchased uh, just in, in at one month. That, that, by the way, passed the other day the Assemblyman Public Safety Committee, which is not a, a good thing that it passed. But let me ask you this. What, yes, do you, what do you think the underlining motive is? Do they really want to protect people, our, 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 our law-abiding citizens? Are we not capable of defending ourselves? Um, or are, are these do-gooders really want to protect people? Or do you see, or do you see any kind of an underlining uh, underlying motive, Sam. <laughs> Boy, Senator, you just gave me a, a loaded hand grenade and, 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 and one that I'm very willing to throw here. Well, we um, got about two minutes till the break, so... Let me, let, me, let me real briefly say this. We regularly go before the legislature in committee and, and show them evidence and statistical information that they have required to be collected by the Attorney General to prove that what they are trying to do does not prevent crime, does not stop crime, and does not solve crime but they're still um, they're still on the warpath though so if, if, if you why are why are the facts uh, getting in the way what 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 is this what is going they on are so incensed senator that Californians are buying guns at a, at a world record pace 1.75 million gun purchases last year just in February this past uh, February 214,000 guns were purchased by law-abiding citizens the legislature, and especially the, the radical left leadership of the legislatures, knows that they will never be able to control Californians as long as they are, the way they want to control us as long as they have firearms. Because you're right. They, they, they are exactly what our founding fathers were concerned about as, as in regards to a tyrannical government. And, um, you know, we, we point out that the Attorney General can only prove that 14 crimes were committed in 2014 with a with a long gun with a rifle or a shotgun and what are they trying to do they're trying to ban rifles and shotguns there are 40 million guns in california and they can only uh, account for 14 crimes why are they doing this well we believe their ulterior motive is they want to ban the private possession of all guns and let's let's uh, let's hold that thought sam uh good i i love this conversation because i think it um it gets to the harder thing, the actual foundational problem that we have here. And so, folks, stay tuned. We're going to come back to Sam, who's the executive director of Gun Owners of California. And, again, this is Senator Mike Morrell filling in for Philip Naiman here on the Firing Line Radio Show. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense 
And with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sports Gun and Ammo in Riverside and sponsor of the Firing Line Radio Show, wants to stress the importance of safety in firearm usage. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or target shooting, it's important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. Vince and Phil highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For more information about their certified firearms course, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because at Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Welcome back to the Firing Line Radio Show. I'm State Senator Mike Morrell filling in this week for Phil Naiman. We've had a great conversation with Sam Paredes, who's the CEO of or Executive Director of the Gun Owners of California. And we're going to continue our conversation on the Second Amendment here being assaulted here in California. And Sam was going to give us a couple other bills that he's very concerned about. Sam Go ahead. Senator, as you well know, sometimes we gun owners and, and lovers of the Constitution feel like we live behind the razor wire in occupied territory here in California, but, but we still are the remnant that needs to fight, and we need to fight hard. Bills like AB 1674 that you mentioned that would limit the purchases of one gun of any kind per month of law-abiding citizens. And by the way, the, the D.C. appellate court last week uh, ruled that that 
is unconstitutional, so we have something to go to court with on that. We've got another bill, AB 2459, that will require all gun purchases to be video recorded. All gun stores are going to have to have video recorders in their stores, where they keep their guns, and in the parking lots uh, if, if this bill passes. And basically, anytime somebody buys a gun, they're going to have to say cheese into the camera. Um, and, and that information, that data is going to have to be stored at the store for five years uh, if this bill passes. They, they, they say they want more information and they want to stop straw purchases. Well, Senator, in fact, they want absolute identity. When people buy guns, they already give a thumbprint and nothing has carries more weight in court than a, than a, than a fingerprint, especially photographic information. So um, that's a that's a goofy bill. We've got um, we've got another bill by by your colleague Senator Walk SB one zero zero six ten oh six. It's going to create the Firearms Violence Research Act. They want to they want to create the, the the California Firearms Violence Research Center at the University of California. Now. There's only one researcher in the University of California who does gun research, and his name is Garen Wintemute out of uh, uh, UC Davis. He has never, ever, ever done any sort of research that has shown that there is a utility value to guns uh, in society, and and he is the most anti-gun researcher, and this, we believe, would be the full employment act for this, the University of California system to to, to pour out anti-gun research, um, and be, and we'd have to pay for it through tax our price. tax dollars. Yeah, um, it, it, it's probably just another ploy to get more money for that and a, a PR campaign against guns. So, you know, here here's the thing. We are governed by consent. You know, I've had people... Um, sometimes ask me, hey, why are you politicians messing up in Sacramento? And, and I kid them, and, and I say, because people like you vote us in. And, and the point is, we are governed by consent. And so uh, our, our listeners, we really need to be involved. This is the first time in, in human history where, where citizens had rights, not just of of to uh, possess a gun, but of s- speech, religion. Um, again, we're governed by consent. We no longer have to bow knee to a king, but we can uh, elect our own leaders. We can choose our leaders who we want to represent us. But yet today, many people don't get involved. So, so what I'm saying is, we need to get involved. But just in in 60 seconds or left, how can our audience give them some practical advice? Because you're in this fight, the trenches daily, fighting for them, fighting for us. What what can and what should they? be doing the number one thing they should be doing is they should be supporting those organizations that are fighting for their rights the reason we are in the condition we are in is because for too long too many people sat on the couch uh, watching tv eating bonbons and not getting involved in the process here is your opportunity. The most tangible thing you can do is to go to the Gun Owners of California website at gunownersca.com and become a member. Join the National Rifle Association. Join California Rifle and Pistol Association. Join uh, California Firearms Policy Coalition. One of the groups, any of the groups, all of the groups that are fighting on your behalf in the legislature, in the elections, and in the courts. We, we've got professional people that are fighting the fight. We just need the support so that we can continue to do that. Secondly, look at, we provide information on on specifically where people get involved in in election campaigns so that they can support pro-gunners and fight against anti-gunners, and that information will be available if they 
take the time to go ahead and look for that information on all of our, our websites. And, and, so and those by are the, the most tangible things. And, and by the way, I don't know if the, this is just my observation. I have no empirical evidence on this. It's just what I've observed since I've been up here. Typically, people who support the Second Amendment, too, I've noticed there's a pattern. They also mm-hmm. seem... They do not like tax raises typically, you know, and and on the other side of the aisle, those who are anti-guns seem to want to raise our taxes and want more government control. So I think it's it's a good test if a person uh, believes that that law abiding citizens should have the right to possess a weapon and uh, defend our Second Amendment. I think those are good people to vote for, Sam. Hey, I want to get another question in here uh, before we go to a commercial in about three or four minutes. But, boy, one of the tragedies I believe in my entire life has been the death of Justice Scalia. And the reason why is this this could tip the court in a very bad way on things like our Second Amendment, our religious freedom, freedom of speech, um, and so many um, uh, problems that that could have, not just uh, uh, here in California, but nationally. Have you, I know you represent just gun owners in California, but but I know this is going to have an impact if we don't get the right person. What are your thoughts on his death and the consequences? The fact that uh, we won in, in several very high profile and important gun cases on a five to four decision with Justice Scalia being the leader uh, of those issues and and we won with a very tenuous vote from Justice Kennedy we are very concerned the single most important thing that can happen for the future of America is, is to see what happens who becomes the next president because they are going to get to a point not just one to replace Justice Scalia, but probably three and maybe even four Supreme Court justices. And if we have a Hillary Clinton or, or a Bernie Sanders making those appointments, oh my goodness, it could push back those who believe in the literal reading of the Constitution back for generations because they serve for life on the Supreme Court. So it is incredibly important. We have here, we've lost a hero of somebody who looked at the Constitution and with reverence looked at the intent of our founding fathers and what they wrote. And he believed what they wrote and the words that they said meant what they said. To replace somebody like him is incredibly important. Thankfully, Justice Thomas is stepping up to the plate and filling that gap. But we need to fill that seat with somebody just like Justice Scalia. And then, you know, we have uh, Justice Ginsburg, who's who's ailing and, 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 and pretty elderly. Um, and and other judges who who um, who just may not be around for much longer and 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 it is incredibly important. I I cannot put enough emphasis on this, Senator. This is the most important thing. So if we are not involved and engaged in in presidential uh, the presidential yeah. election, even here in California, shame on us. Well, there's it two two so yeah, and I the next president's probably going to have two or three picks, and and I think that's maybe one of the most foundational issues of our time. I mean, the economy it can be fixed. There's a whole lot of things, but foundational, what's going to take our rights away or what's going to uh, keep our rights is is that next uh, Supreme Court pick. So folks choose wisely. And Sam, we want to thank you for being here. Um, uh, good information you gave us. So thank you so much, um, Senator. It's always a pleasure. God bless you. And 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 uh, keep fighting for us in in un, under that dome because we sure need you. Well, thank you and have a good day, folks. Yes, sir. Bye bye. Coming up 
on our next half hour, I'm going to have with me uh, Brad Dacus, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, and we're going to be talking about a lot of these same things Sam and I were talking about, about our rights. We're going to be talking about some Supreme Court decisions here and what's going on across the country and here in California on uh, a few different issues. And we're going to also talk to him about our Second Amendment. So we hope you'll stay soon. And again, uh, this is State Senator Mike Morrell. Looking forward to hearing uh, my friend get back, Phil Naiman. So again, welcome to Firing Line Radio Show. And folks, we'll be right back. Thank you. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. Welcome back to the Firing Line Radio Show. I'm State Senator Mike Morrell filling in this week for the great um, man, Phil Naiman, and a good friend of mine. In the last half hour, we had Sam Paredes, who, was the, who is the Executive Director of Gun Owners of California, to talk about the status of the Second Amendment here in California and what's heading our way here in Sacramento this year. Well, we're going to stay on the topic of the Constitution this next half hour and the situation now facing the Supreme Court, as we saw a couple of weeks ago when uh, Justice Scalia passed away. Um, and for this segment, we're going to have Brad Dacus um, from the Pacific Justice Institute on. The Pacific Justice Institute is a nonprofit legal defense organization specializing in the defense of religious freedom, parental rights, and many other civil liberties to protect our freedoms. Uh, Mr. Dacus founded the Institute in 1997 and remains its president today. He's a recognized speaker nationally and has been featured on many uh, newscasts and radio programs across America. Also, he's heard weekly on the Dacus Report. It's a radio show which reaches across our country. So, uh, Brad, welcome here today. We're, we're, it's an honor to have you on our show. Oh, it's always an honor to, to, uh, to be interviewed by you, that's for sure. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well, good. Well, let me start off and get right into this. You know, um, as I mentioned uh, a few seconds ago, uh, Justice Scalia passed away. And I know a young man who works at the Supreme Court um, and he used to clerk for Justice um, Thomas, and and so as he worked there, he also knew Justice Scalia. And I, I asked this young man; he's a constitutional attorney. I said, you know, I really believe this passing of Scalia could have been the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And and that may sound desperate, but I I asked him what his opinion would that be, and he said no. He said, boy, there's a lot at stake. Um, especially our religious freedom, and he he thinks I could very well uh, be hitting the nail on the head that this is a huge um, 
um, uh, problem for us with his passing and and the problem of course comes in with what's going to happen in the future so um, let me ask you uh, what's your reaction to the death of Jessica um, Scalia and the uh, consequences the long-term consequences yeah uh, tremendous long-term consequences uh, this I agree with you this was a a, a just a t- total slap in the face uh, to, you know when I found out it the, the reason is because uh, there's there's some real important cases that uh, are pending before the Supreme Court that uh, had the potential for some fantastic outcomes for freedom and liberty and and uh, the principles of of, uh, of liberty and and uh, I've, when I talk to people I would tell people I'd say these are you know some great cases uh, it looks solid I said just and I would tell people this I would say more than once I said just pray for Justice Scalia and his health that he stays in good health and lives through this year because that's the only thing I see that could stop these things, these decisions. And I wasn't trying to be prophetic by any means, uh, but I was just concerned. Uh, and yet that's exactly the worst case scenario is exactly what happened. Um, let me, let me ask you this too. Now, now my friend from the Supreme court was saying uh, not just, uh, you know, this thing on if whether Obama is going to pick someone right now, and that goes through, or if we wait till the next president. But uh, he was explaining to me how, like for an example, the Ninth, Ninth Circuit Court, how liberal they are, right. that, that they're going to uh, let the stops out right now because they know uh, they're not going to have to worry about the Supreme Court for a while. What, what's your opinion on that? Oh, yeah. This, the Ninth Circuit is one of the farthest leftist uh you know, court circuits in the country by far over half of their cases that taken up by the Supreme Court uh, in, in uh, recent years are, are overturned by the Supreme Court. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible grade to have less than 50 percent on your uh, your final, so to speak. So uh, they they're probably delighted. At, I mean, not personally, but legally, at least speaking, that they have the uh, the ability now to have some cases go up to the court and um and then uh, be uh, ruled in the way, or at least uh, upheld, uh, maybe by one vote, or at least or a tie vote, upheld the, with regard to their decisions, and which would buy them more time. Uh, I definitely can see that happening. We have some cases I can tell you right now that uh, that I can see going to the Supreme Court that could be impacted. Um, you know, one is the ban on uh, on those under 18 in California that are seeking uh, counseling. Who are struggling, say, with same-sex attraction or gender identity? Uh, that's a ban. That's against the law for them to be able to get counseling from a licensed counselor. Uh, a non-licensed counselor, fine, but a licensed counselor—it's against the law in California. And we see that as a case that um, is is something that was, was is going to be headed to the Supreme Court, and that will be uh, probably directly impacted uh, by whoever puts uh, makes this appointment uh, on the Supreme Court. Then, uh, of course, we also have some. Some pending cases right now before the Supreme Court. One of them is the uh, the Little Sisters case, where we're talking about whether or not a a nonprofit ministry can be forced by the federal government, by this administration, uh, to have to provide uh, abortifacients, uh, you know, which is uh, providing for abortions uh, for the people who work and are part of their their church or their ministry. Uh, very important case. We're th- we're expecting this to be a five to four prior to Justice Sc- uh, Scalia's passing. Uh, now it's it, it looks like we may not get that five to four, and we'll end up with a split decision. 
that uh, leaves a lot of religious institutions in jeopardy, whether they're going to be persecuted and forced to shut down all across the United States because of refusal uh, to support and, and financially support abortions uh, for people working for their, their ministries. That's a huge case. Um, oh. Well, go on. Yeah. So that's one. And then we have another... Real quick, like uh, another one our listeners are really curious about is our Second Amendment rights. What do you see there uh, for the Ninth Circuit um, until a new Supreme Court justice is picked and ramifications there? Yeah, well, yeah, we at the Pacific Justice Institute are are supportive of the Constitution, the whole Constitution, and (laughs) including the Second Amendment uh, explicitly. Uh, This Justice Scalia is a man who respected the Constitution based on original intent and uh, and, and how it's uh, strictly con- uh, written. Consequently, uh, the leftist court uh, doesn't ex- respect that, and they don't respect it as applied to the Second Amendment. We've got some very important case law that's uh, ahead of the Supreme Court or uh, that's going to be ruled on inevitably by the Supreme Court, as we see coming down. And um, whether or not that, that, that right will be respected in the future is, is definitely hanging in the balance uh, without question. Now, you just mentioned it, um, something that I hear a lot of, that uh, Justice Scalia was a originalist, but yet I hear uh, a lot of the, my friends on the other side of the aisle, the Democrats, talking about the Constitution being a living document. And I've even heard some, uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham from Carolina, um, said that he uh, believes it's a, a living document. Would you explain to our audience the difference of those two and why it's very important to get the right one down. <laughs> oh, it, oh it's, it's so important. And, uh, and those who want to change the Constitution without an amendment, without going through the amendment process where we, the people, decide whether to, to amend our Constitution, uh, those people who want to, to change it without that process, what, they believe in what's called the living and breathing document. That is, if the Supreme Court you know, feels that times have changed and... Uh, and that, therefore, because the times and the values have changed, that they need to change the Constitution and not mess with the amendment process. That's, those are the people who use the phrase living and breathing document. Uh, that is not at all what the Founding Fathers intended. Uh, that is totally contrary uh, to proper jurisprudence. And there should, be a, there, should, there should not be one single justice and judge on our federal courts allowed to serve who have that attitude. It's not to, their attitude should be sincerely to protect and defend the Constitution and uh, to respect the Constitution. Those who believe in original intent and strict construction, they say, hey, we're going to interpret this, this language to be what it was intended and what it says explicitly it, it to be, period. And if people want to change it, they can amend it. Um, that kind of court is a court of jurisprudence. The other court is an activist court that wants to legislate and rule and dominate the people and the other two branches of government uh, against the, uh, the, the the expressed language of the Constitution. We're not a nation of, of men, we're a nation of law. That's what makes us so unique. This activist court philosophy makes us a nation of men, nine men and women, and not a nation of law reflective of we the pe- by we the people in our Constitution. So basically, just to sum it up, because we're coming to a break here, a living document means truth changes. So really, if the court can misinterpret, they can take it any direction they want for their own selfish purposes, whereas originalism believes that human nature never changes, as the Declaration says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Would that be a correct yes or no? Yes, totally yes. 
Well, here's what we're going to do, Brad. Awesome. Uh, you've done a wonderful job for our audience, and we're going to cut to a break, and then we're going to come back, and let's let's talk more about this, okay? You bet. Okay. Thank you, Brad. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Well, welcome back to the Firing Line Show. I'm Sen- uh, State Senator Mike Morrell, and again, I'm filling in this week for my good friend Phil Naiman. Uh, and we have on the line uh, Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. And on our last segment, we were talking about uh, Justice Scalia being an originalist versus uh, those, uh, some on their Supreme Court who believes that the Constitution is a living document, meaning that truth changes and it can just change to whatever you want it to be. And so, Brad, I I understand in talking with with you earlier that, you know, the Constitution rests upon the Declaration of Independence. And there's a phrase in there that we've heard um, that that says, uh, we hold those truths to be self-evident. But right before that those truths are based on the laws of nature nature's god what did the founders mean by that and why is that so important that the next supreme court justice or justices who get picked understands that oh it is so important um, because what it basically says is, is that these rights that we have are not rights that are just spoken into existence by by humans and modified because um, if, if man, modern man does it, and, and legislators and things, those are privileges. Those are things that are enacted. Rights are something that supersedes the actions of, of man that are, are self-evident, that are uh, endure through time, and that are evident and proven themselves to the fundamentals of, of nature. And they say of nature's God, recognizing that there's an accountability. Um, it's not a statement of, of religious doctrine or theology. It's a statement of observation, objectively, of things that we instinctively, inherently know to be a, a dear thing that is endowed by, by all human beings. Um, like, for example, the right to live, right to life, the right to, uh, to pursue happiness, um, uh, liberty. Uh, those are things that we just instinctively know are given to us, and that we're, inspired by, uh, we're entitled to not because a king says so, or a legislator, or a dictator, or, or a court, but because we just know that this is just inherent in humanity. And uh, that's supposed to be a check uh, to keep uh, tyrants, including court tyrants, uh, at bay from dictating over the will of the people when it comes to fundamental rights as recognized clearly and expressly in the Constitution. Now, today, people really, I, I, from what I've seen, being in politics, even a number of politicians, but particularly a lot of the citizens believe rights come from government. Um, where did the founders say they came from, and why is this so important? 
Yeah, they made it really, really clear it doesn't, that it does not come from government. Government will recognize uh, fundamental rights, but those rights uh, come from uh, our creator and uh, the, the originator of, uh, of the laws of, of, of nature and, and, uh, and, and humanity. Uh, it is it is so funny. In fact, had we not the founding fathers, they literally hinged their entire revolution, the legitimacy of their right to break away from the king, uh, on the premise that there's a higher law that is the laws of nature, nature's God that supersede the rights of the king. That was their whole premise. But for that premise, we would be an illegitimate nation in the eyes of our founding fathers and those who fought the Revolutionary War. So for we, us to to have activist judges that don't respect the Constitution and its recognition of fundamental rights, but believe instead that they can create and speak new rights into existence as they wish and as they feel that the, the culture uh, mandates or, or, or desires, uh, that is a complete ab- abominable act in, in terms of uh, the, the Constitution, our founding fathers, and, and the whole foundation of our nation. Brad, can you give me one example of uh, just bringing that up to today, 240 years later, and uh, maybe one case that you see that could give an example of either a bad law or a good law and how they either violated the laws of nature or how they um, or the other side, how they stuck to that. Can you? Oh, yeah. I, there's one case right now that we at Pacific Justice Institute are taking on uh, that is going to be headed to the Supreme Court, I believe, and uh, could be very impacted by who replaces Justice Scalia. And that is a new law in California that dictates to every uh, religious nonprofit pregnancy clinic or crisis pregnancy center, it tells them that even though they're committed to their beliefs, their convictions about sanctity of human life, they have to have a large sign advertising to women where they can get a free or low-cost abortion and the phone number to call. This is, this is basically an act of government saying you have free speech, but only to the extent that it agrees with us, the government, as to what your speech should be. That is such an inherent violation of the freedom of, of, of speech and, re, and practice of, of faith, uh, of, of religious ministries. This, the same principle could apply to government mandates on churches and synagogues regarding uh, their speech and, and what they say and what they don't say, uh, all premised upon whether uh, the, the legislature or an activist court uh, finds it uh, necessary. So if, if, if President Obama gets his way, and, and there's two questions in this. First, let's go on to religious freedom. What would the church in general, in your opinion, and, and we don't have to be dramatic, but if right. President Obama picks, uh, chooses, a, um, and, and they get um, passed through the Senate, um, his his choice. What do you think uh, religious liberty, or what do you think the church will look like in three to four years from now? That would be my first question. The second question. Well, I'll interrupt you again and come back to the second question. But ask me that about about churches um, and their freedoms, right? Um, colleges, for an example. Yeah, yeah Christian uh, colleges, uh, churches, uh, nonprofit religious organizations. Um, they're all uh, going to be def- directly threatened. Um, there was legislation, for example, recently going to apply to all nonprofit youth organizations, including Young Life, Awanas, uh, regarding um, their faith-based hiring decisions. It, uh, it just fell narrowly in the Assembly. It had the two-thirds it needed in the State Senate. Uh, we're going to see that kind of a, of a push, not only upon nonprofits, but also upon churches. Uh, we're going to see the, the free speech rights of churches imperiled uh, by government mandates that they say this or they don't do this as reflected in this uh, pregnancy uh, clinic case that deals with uh, nonprofit religious 
uh, institutions. And then uh, colleges, Christian colleges and universities, for example, that have convictions about um, about admissions of professors based upon lifestyles and morality and whether it's same-sex marriage, et cetera. And they, they, these, we're talking about these college universities losing their, their status as a nonprofit and being able to qualify for Pell Grant funding and being punished and treated in the back of the bus as a second-class educational institution uh, with huge ramifications on the, the, uh, the, the freedom of a of, of private religious educational institution to flourish. These are all things that are not in the distance. These are things that we can see uh, taking uh, being impacted on directly in the next uh, three to four or five years by or less by, based on who uh, replaces Scalia. So that is uh, something we should really be concerned about, and uh, hopefully uh, our president will be open, which I doubt, but um, I think we're going to have to fight to um, to let the next uh, president next year hopefully choose the, or, you know, nominate the next Supreme Court justice. So as we close up right. here, uh, Brad, really appreciate you being on the show today. Real quick, where can listeners go to learn more about your great organization, the Pacific Justice Institute? Yeah, so I'd like to keep up with our cases, with our free legal insider re- report that we send out or support our work. They just simply need to go to our, our website, pji.org. That's P for Pacific, J for Justice, I for Institute, pji.org. Thank you very much, Brad. It's been an an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, and keep doing the good work you're doing. Oh, my pleasure. You too. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was great. I I hope you've enjoyed our time. A couple of uh, uh, housekeeping items here. Every year, I host an event titled Patriots of the Past, Present, and the Future. And what we do is we honor past soldiers from World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and then patriots of the present, some of the conflicts we've had over the last 20 years in the Middle East. But also we honor patriots of the future. Many of our veterans are concerned that the youth today do not understand what soldiers have sacrificed for and what patriotism really means and how what a need it is for our nation. And so we honor young Eagle Scouts um, ROTC and Explorer Scouts, and it's a wonderful event. It's going to be at March Air Force Base in their museum, which is in Riverside, on Friday, April 1st. And, folks, I want to let you know, we've only had tickets on sale for approximately a week, and we usually sell out within about two weeks because um, the place holds about 330 people, and it goes really quick. So if you'd like those tickets, um, it's you want to call Melissa at 909 area code, 581-9473. I think you'll really enjoy it. Last year, our World War II vet, um, Bill Harrison, um, we honored him. He was His minesweeper was sunk off the coast of the Philippines, and he survived alone six days in a raft until he was um, um, found by the U.S. Navy. And as he spoke to our group that night, he said, that night, him being honored was the second best day of his life. So, again, uh, Friday, April 1st, and call Melissa at 909-581-9473. And, again, I want to thank you all this week. It's been a privilege to fill in for Phil Naiman here on the Firing Line Radio, and we'll look forward to seeing you around town. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe. Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.